So I'm going to, what I want to do is I want to talk about this notion of binat and sunnah from the time of the Prophet and from the first three generations. And then we can actually have a more correct understanding about the Sahaba Tabin, Tabai Tabin, and see how much leeway they were granted in the time of the Prophet for, for the Sahaba, and how much leeway they took themselves after the Prophet passed away in terms of the Sahaba also, and the Tabin and Tabai Tabin. So the first thing is Sunnah. What is sunnah? So we're going to take here a definition from Imam Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali rahimahullah ta'ala. Hanbali, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, very famous faqih and muhaddis, and wrote this very famous book, Al-Jami' al-Ulum al-Hikam, which is a commentary in the Arba'in of Imam al-Nawi, where he's actually added ten hadith. And he writes in that quote, sunnah means at-tariq al-masluk, that path which is traveled upon, that path that is well trodden which entails holding fast to whatever the Prophet ﷺ and his rightly guided successors held of doctrines, deeds, and saying. This is i'tikal, a'mal, and aqwal. So, this is also an issue. That what is a bina in i'tikal in terms of your belief, your doctrine, your outlook, your conception of the deen? And what is a bina in terms of a'mal, in terms of practices in the deen? Alright? Uh, and this this is the perfect and complete sunnah. That is why the Salaf of old refrained from applying the name of Sunnah to anything that fell short of this. So you have this notion of Sunnah. What happens many times is that, and you'll find Ibn Rajman do not mention the word Bidat at all. The reason I'm doing this is that sometimes today we think that the opposite of Bidat is Sunnah, and the opposite of Sunnah is Bidat. And we've come up with this dichotomy. That is not to be found anywhere. Right? Certainly you will find definitions of Sunnah you will find definitions of bidah. But sunnah is not defined only and only in opposition to bidah. And bidah is not defined only and only in opposition to sunnah. There are going to be some things perhaps, I'm just suggesting, I'm carving out spaces along the way which we may or may not fill. There may be something that is neither sunnah nor bidah. Just open yourself up to that possibility for the moment. right? There may be something that is neither sunnah nor is it bidah. This is very critical. Because what happens is many of us, we just think that there are these two categories. And then it's very simple. Then. If you don't find it in the sunnah, it immediately becomes bidah. Not that it necessarily falls on the definition of bidah, but simply not being in the sunnah equals bidah. That is a conclusion that you would make if you felt that these are dichotomous categories. And any and every single aqidah and amal is either sunnah or bidah. Another possibility again is that there may be some other things that are neither sunnah nor bidah. Alright? But I wanted to put up there what is sunnah. Okay? Next thing, uh, from another Hanbali Muhaddith, Imam al-Dhahabi, rahimahullah ta'ala, writes in the Seerah al-Alama al-Nubala, that the sunnah is whatever the Prophet ﷺ made sunnah, and the Khulafai Rashidin made sunnah after him. Now you have the word sunnah then being used for actually what we would call fatawa of the Khulafai Rashidin or amal of the Khulafai Rashidin, right? Either their call or their amal. But the word sunnah is now being widened to include that. Okay? As for ijma, I'm reading the whole passage to you just to show you, right, that bidah doesn't come anywhere in this. As for ijma, it is whatever the ulama of the ummah, both early and late, have unanimously agreed upon either explicitly or through tacit consent. Whoever deviates from such ijma amongst the later generations, or sorry, from amongst the tabin or the tabai tabin, 
it is tolerated for him alone. This is a very interesting thing. I mean, we don't have time to teach you this, but the philosophy of Ijma, that would be another thing for some day. Ijma, Nusk, and these are those of you who love these academic shows that I put on, also topic to Ijma or Nusk, right? But obviously I don't think that really a detailed discussion of Ijma and Nusk is really necessary for, uh, you know, unless a person is really advanced in their Islamic studies. But here he's mentioning a little nukta of ijma, which is just interesting for you to see that. That according to Imam Adabi, Alhamdulillah, that a tabi and a tabai tabi can deviate from an ijma alone, but nobody can follow them in that. Now why did he have to say this? What I want to show you, why do you have to say this? Because what happens is, is when you look at the original literature, there's a very famous letter that Imam Malik wrote to Imam Al-Layth ibn Sa'd. And then Imam Layth ibn Sa'd responded. If you read that letter in response, you will really understand. Right? In fact, that letter in response could summarize the whole series of workshops that we have done. And what happens is you will find that on the one hand, which I'm gradually building up for you, the concept of Sunnah starting with the Prophet expanding to Sahaba, that there's this notion of the sacred nature of the first three generations. And there's a notion of the sacredness of their ijmal, their consensus. But at the same time, you will find divergent opinion and differences within and amongst the first few generations. And you will find even Tabin and Tabai Tabin going against the ijma of their contemporaries or their predecessors. Now, if you say that it's wrong, right, then you lose the sacredness. There's nothing special about the Tabin and Tabain if they can leave something as sacred as ijma. So the way he phrases this is that their deviation or their departure, let me soften the word, their departure from a previous ijma is going to be what in Arabic we call a tafarrud. Sometimes these are called tafarudat, sometimes these are called infiradat. It means their isolated opinion, their own individual amal, in which they took a position that was divergent from the plurality or majority, in this case the totality. And for a sahaba tabi'in, tabai tabi'in, part, and this is not an average sahaba, but this is for the fuqahab the sahaba, the jurist of the sahaba tabi'in, tabai tabi'in, their sacredness means that their tafarud is also viewed as acceptable at least for them. Right? Then he says that we say today, this is an interesting thing that will bring up another topic, but we've already done this topic. Imam al-Zahabi al says that we say today, and that is back then, he's also, uh, I think, 5th or 6th century Hijri, that it is nearly impossible to find the truth outside of what the four Imams of scholarly endeavor agreed upon. We say this at the same time that we admit that their agreement of the four Imams on a given matter does not constitute ijma of the whole ummah. But we refrain from asserting in relation to a matter upon which they all agreed that the correct position is otherwise. As he's saying that if they've all agreed on something, it's not possible in his view for the correct position to be something other than what all four of them agreed upon. So this is a very strong humbly statement that you cannot take a position outside the four Imams. Okay, but that's a position. It's not necessarily absolutely binding on someone. But it's interesting to see that. And it's interesting to see that these were the things that they talked about when they were discussing Sunnah. They're interested in the first three generations. They're interested in the concept of ijma. They're aware of the plurality and divergence of opinion. They're addressing that issue as well. And they're granting as the inheritors and the legal rulings that constitute the Sunnah they're granting the legitimacy of legal rulings, identifying the sunnah to the four imams, to the four madhah. 
And again, you will not find any notion of bidat coming up in a discussion of the sunnah. So we've had two quotations from the Hanbali methodology of Islamic jurisprudence. Then I'm going to move to the second stage, which is the Sahaba. Now, I've been amazed that there is a very widely quoted hadith, Ashabikan Najum, in which the Prophet that my companions are like stars. And you will find a lot of literature insisting, uh, and the hadith is that whichever one of them you follow, whichever one you do, their iqtida, you will have iqtida, you will be rightly guided. And you will find a lot of literature amongst contemporary Muslims attacking the sunnah of this hadith. The sunnah of this hadith is basically going to fall 99% of people have created 99% of the different sunnahs. It's been transmitted through many different sunnahs, as Zayf. Maybe 10% have given it Hassan, and 1% have called some of those Asnan, but not all of them Mawdu. So we would safely put it into the category of Zayf. If you take out those one or two Asnans that a minority have called Hassan, if you take out those chains, and if you take out those one or two chains that a minority has called Mawdu, and you confine yourself to those chains, you can confine yourself to a significant number of chains on which everybody has agreed that all those chains are safe. Right? What happens, however, is number one. In the contemporary setting, what people will do is they will only mention to you that chain of the city that 10% said was Maldu. And they will then quote that Muhajjah or Adrith critic that says it's Maldu, and you will be led to the opinion that this hadith has been Maldu. This hadith is a forged and fabricated report. I, you know, I have a book here that has collected, I think, at least 20 different uh, references to this hadith. Out of which one or two, like I said, have been mentioned Hassan, one or two have been mentioned Malum, the other 18 are all Zayf. So it would be fair to put this hadith in Zayf. However, what I really wanted to show you today, what I've been dying to show people, and unfortunately there are only a few of you here for this, that is, is that First thing is, I would wonder, why is it that there is this massive movement to nullify the hadith? Because you only do that when you think the meaning, the conclusion from that hadith is false. And what is the meaning that is being conveyed by the hadith? The meaning is that the Sahaba Karam were rightly guided individuals. And if you follow them, you will also be rightly guided. As far as the meaning goes, I think that meaning is perfectly valid. And that meaning is established through verses from the Qur'an. Right? This verse according to all of the Mufasreen is for the Jumlat al-Sahaba, for all of the Sahaba, that Allah subhanahu is pleased with them and they are pleased with Him. Now if the Qur'an is saying that all of the Sahaba are pleased with Allah and are pleasing to Him, if I was to say to you, forget the hadith, if I says to you then they must have been rightly guided, I think that's quite a legitimate conclusion to draw. But I'm going to show you today one of the best things that will make you understand how there's a deception, that in the Sahih of Muslim, in the Sahih of Muslim, there's a hadith in which the Prophet calls the Sahaba stars. And you've never, ever been shown that. And all you will be shown in the other hadith, the other text, the wording is different, it's a different text. That's why it's not mentioned. It's not this text with a different chain. It's a different text. So Sayyidina Abu Musa al-Ashari radiallahu ta'ala anhu narrates, that the Prophet ﷺ said, this is in Sahih Muslim, also in the Muslim of Ahmad ibn Hanbal, that my companions are trustees for my community. How does the city start? The stars are trustees for the heaven, 
And when the stars wane, the heaven is brought what the heaven is brought what was promised. And I, in the Prophet, am a trusty for my companions. And when I go, my companions will be brought what was promised them. And my companions are trustees for my community. Alright? Now the Mahadathina discussed a lot, I will be honest with you. Not about this part, but what it is that will be brought to them. It's for both Kalamim. That when the Prophet that when I go, my companions will be brought to them, what will be brought to them. But there's no doubt that the Prophet first said the stars are like the heaven, and my companions, he used the same tashbih. So the companions are like stars. That tashbih is there in the hadith of Sahih Muslim. And secondly, the other part of that first hadith, which is that they are rightly guided, is the Prophet that my sahaba are trustees for my community. What is the amanat of the sahaba? And that is also Sahidith, that the Anbiya do not leave a Wurasat, their Wurasat is their ilm, is their message, their teachings of Nabuat. And who are the Warathin of that, who received this Imana? The Sahaba. Right? All of the Sahaba. So this Hadith through a Sahih chain establishes the exact same meaning of that other text that had all chains which were Zayf. One or two declared by a few to be Hassan and one or two declared by a few to be mozu, but that meaning you can find the exact same meaning. Being rightly guided and trustees for the community and being like stars in a sahih deeth. Then, in another deeth of the Prophet about the Sahaba, and this is the famous hadith on the sects. Many of you would have heard this hadith about the 73 sects. This is the famous ma. When the Prophet mentions that who were the rightly guided sect, he says, that path upon which I am on and my Sahaba are on. All of the Sahaba. Right? So this hadith also mentions clearly this issue of the Sahaba Qur'an. Also being uh, a source of practice. And simply speaking, let me be context of why am I doing this. That the Sahaba Karam, any action of theirs or any statement of theirs cannot be labeled as a bidat. Same for a tabi, same for a tabi tabi. That is the only way the bidat thing is going to enter this discussion. That when we are expanding the word sunnah to include the Prophet and the Khulafai Rashidin, then you have that famous hadith that all we know, that the best of generations mind, the one who falls, the one who falls it. The sacredness of the first few generations, for our purposes, is that there's nothing that they said or did that could be a minute. Right?